Morning. It's good to see everybody this week. Um, you notice it's a little brighter in here. We've got new lights put in. And I just noticed now, as I'm standing up here, that those track lights are not pointed down here. It's hard to see my notes. That's all right. I have decent eyes, so we'll, we'll get through it. It's duller up here. It's not as bright as up here as it is out there. Um, hopefully, though, that's not the case, that I'm very dull today and don't keep your attention. Um, I would say that I learned a difficult lesson this week, but it's not exactly true because it's a lesson that I've pretty much already learned, that being a dad is hard. Uh, if any of you follow me on Facebook and saw the story that I posted about Caleb, um, you know what I'm talking about. But just to give you kind of a quick recap, Caleb... Um, his front tooth, if you see him this morning, he can smile at you and you can see that he's lost his front tooth. And while he'd been wiggling it for several days and kept asking me day after day, Dad, will you pull it? Dad, will you pull it? And I said, I don't think it's ready yet. Well, the time came on Thursday that I think I thought it was ready. It was. And we went and pulled his tooth in the kitchen and uh, I went to get him some salt water. And then I turned just in time to see him pass out. Um, It's funny now, sort of, not really, Um, but uh, he hit his head on the counter going down and then his head kind of bounced off the floor as he hit. And I got to watch all of it. His eyes were wide open, nobody there, just out cold. And I'm sitting there holding him like, Caleb, Caleb, wake up, Caleb. And um, still talking about it. (laughs) Sorry. I thought I could do it. Can't. Anyways, um, life can change in a moment. I mean, it could have been different. That could have been it. I think we've all experienced times in our lives where it's unexpected. Things change so suddenly and we didn't even think about it. We didn't plan ahead for it. We see in Scripture we have a lot of evidence too of how things changed very quickly. Consider how much life changed for Adam and Eve. Things were great. They were walking around this beautiful, lush garden that God had created just for them. They were enjoying God's beautiful creation. They didn't have to wear clothes. They just were. They just existed. And God existed with them. God walked with them. And then something changed. And it changed very quickly. In Genesis 1 through 3, we see the change that happens so very quickly. It goes from good to very bad very quick. So, what happened? Look at Genesis chapter 3. I should have brought those tissues up with me. Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. 
But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. So, it's all woman's fault, right? I've heard guys say that before. It's all women's fault. It's all the lady's fault. No, Adam took part too. He could have said no. But we see a choice being made, don't we? There's a choice that was made by Eve to disobey. And then, of course, a choice made by Adam to also disobey. Listen to how Paul speaks of this occurrence in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, also a part of our reading this week. It says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Now, it's interesting to note that in Genesis chapter 3, the word sin isn't mentioned. It's not used. But that's where it all started. That's where sin came into the world. When Eve made the choice to disobey God, that's when the decision was made, and that's when sin entered. But it didn't stop. It keeps building and building throughout Scripture. Um, Look at Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So when you look at the creation story, and God creating man, and he sees man, and he saw that it was what? Good. And now here, in Genesis chapter 6, he is grieved to his heart that he ever created man. That's how bad it got. It went from good to bad very quickly, and it was all because of a little thing. It's not little, is it? Sin. Now, the flood accomplished God's promise to wipe man from the face of the earth. All right, he wiped out man from the face of the earth, except for the few that he saved in the ark. The, 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 um, the remnant, right? The remnant that was saved for a purpose. We see that, that theme throughout the Old Testament. God always, when he punishes Israel, he always saves a remnant to fulfill his purpose. And of course, that ultimate purpose is to bring about Jesus. But he uses the flood to wipe out uh, the wickedness of man from the face of the earth. But the elimination of man doesn't stop there, right? Man still dies. Now, if you notice, before the flood, all of these people that lived, lived a really long time. Methuselah lived almost a thousand years. Not after the flood, though. After the flood comes, the age um, range of man goes from about a thousand years to about a hundred years. Man will die sooner but their soul will also die as well. 
How? Or, or rather, why? Look at Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20. This one you may know. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. Now, the one who sins will die. Let me catch up here. The one who sins will die, not because of the sins of the father, or what some call original sin, but because of a person's own wickedness. It is our choice to sin, right? There is a choice that has to be made when it comes to sin, and we'll get to that. We'll talk about that this morning. But when one makes that choice to willingly sin, that's when one is separated from God. But there is hope, right? There's hope, right? We, sin exists, and we all sin. There's got to be hope. Look at Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1. Through two, verse one, there's hope. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. Okay? The Lord is able to do those things. But verse two says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. God is able to save. He is able to hear. However, it is our sin that separates us from Him so that His face is turned away and that He does not hear. He doesn't hear the prayer of a sinner. And there is a little thing called the sinner's prayer that people say. They they say that that's what saves you. By the way, there's nothing of that in the Bible anywhere. Because we actually have evidence in Scripture that says God does not hear. Because our transgressions have separated us from Him. Now there are things that God put in place, of course, throughout Scripture to atone for sin. Sacrifice was one of them, right? That's what the Jews had to do. They had to sacrifice a lamb. That blood of that lamb would atone for their sins, would cover over their sins. And of course, Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. It is only through Jesus and His atoning sacrifice that one can be freed from sin, that their sins can be covered over, and therefore the transgressions taken away, and so that we can now be heard by God. When we are in Christ... When we are in Christ and we are atoned and covered over by His blood, God hears us. We all still sin. Amen? We all still sin. We all still fall short of the glory of God. But because we are in Christ and we strive to live a life according to His doctrine and the commands that He told us to obey, if we are repentant and seek forgiveness for our sins, then we can have hope and trust that they have been forgiven. Because God hears us. Because we have a mediator in Christ Jesus. Now what about Moses? You see, sin is what made Moses decide uh, to leave the comfort of, of Egyptian royalty and return to the pain of his people, really. Right? Egyptian, er, Moses was living a luxurious life of royalty. He was living in Pharaoh's household. He was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And everything was fine and dandy. 
But he saw the sin that was going on in Egypt. And he didn't want any more part of it. And he returned to his people. He returned to punishment, really, and torment uh, for the people of Israel. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verses 24 through 25. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. You see, Moses made a choice. He made a choice that we all have to make. And it's the same choice that had to be made in the garden as well. See, Eve could have said no. Adam could have said no. But instead, they made the wrong choice. Moses made the right choice. And that choice is the choice to continue living in sin or to live for Christ. Now last week we discussed why we shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel. And one of those reasons is because there is still a need today for salvation. There is still a need for the power of God to save through His Son Jesus. And from the garden until now, there has been this universal problem called sin. Everyone deals with it. And until the world and us as Christians accept that fact that we all are sinners, then the power of salvation through God can never be fully understood, can never be fully grasped what exactly God did through Jesus. From then until now, sin has separated man from God, and it is sin that keeps many from hearing and obeying the gospel. An excerpt from Moody Monthly, which was a publication of the, uh, I believe it was the Moody Bible Institute. It's no longer in print, but it was from many years ago. Uh, it illustrates the relationship of man and sin. Listen to this. Man calls it an accident, but God calls it an abomination. Man calls it a blunder. God calls it blindness. Man calls it a defect. God calls it a disease. Man calls it chance. God calls it a choice. Man calls it an error. God calls it enmity. Man calls it fascination. God calls it fatality. Man calls it an infirmity, but God calls it iniquity. Man calls it luxury but God calls it leprosy. Man calls it liberty. God calls it lawlessness. Man calls it a trifle. God calls it a tragedy. Man calls it a mistake. God calls it madness. Man calls it a weakness. God calls it willfulness. Sin is a choice. And it stems from a personal process. Listen to James. Uh, James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person, this is important, 14 through 15 here, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. You see, it's no one else's fault but your own when it comes to sin. 
You can't say, God made me do this. No, he didn't. You can't, you, you can't even use the old Flip Wilson saying, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You did it. You made the choice to sin. Not only does Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20 negate the, the, the doctrine of original sin, but this teaching here from James tells, tells us that sin, which is, of course, the thing that separates us from God, is our own doing. And not only that, a choice has to be made to sin, And a choice has to be made by that person to repent of that sin. No one else can do that for you. Just like no one else can sin for you. It is a personal issue. Now this brings us back to Romans. And uh, Paul's references and explanations of sin and how it impacts our own lives. And the first one there is that it is personal. Sin is a personal thing. And we just saw that, of course, with James. But Romans chapter 3, verse 23, There is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All right, we talked about that a little bit last week. But we're all guilty of sin. And what is it? What is sin? We know that it is what separates us from God, but what is it? What does it mean? Let's look at some different words that are used throughout the New Testament um, for the word sin. Uh, the word that's used in Romans chapter 23 is um, hamartano, which means uh, to miss the mark. Shooting an arrow, you miss the mark, right? That's, that's what that word means. Um, Galatians 3 verse 19. Um, why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. The word there in my translation, the ESV, is transgressions. The word that is, uh, tra- that is translated from in the Greek is parabasis, which means uh, going over or crossing over a line. The line has been drawn in the sand and you crossed over it. Right? That's basically the meaning of that word. Romans chapter 4, a different word is used here. Uh, Jesus, our Lord, uh, uh, this is verse 25, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Of course, the word there used is trespasses. Others may have the word, um, I think, transgressions is, is found in other uh, translations. Uh, but the word there is uh, paraptom, uh, I'm sorry, paraptoma, uh, which means to fall beside something or... Uh, The definition or the explanation that I like is to fall when one should have stood. Does that make sense? When you're expected to stand up, but you fall instead, that's really what sin is. You're expected to do one thing, but you do the complete opposite. Matthew chapter 7, verse 23. uh, And when I declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The word there, lawlessness, the Greek word is anomia, which means literally without law. So very good uh, translation for lawlessness. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, But God's firm foundation stands bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. 
The word there, of course, for sin is iniquity, and that um, in other translations may have <clears throat> uh, wickedness. Uh, but the word there is adakia, which means injustice. Uh, or uh, the, the more expanded is bending something that was straight and making it crooked. That's what that word means. Taking a, a straight rod and bending it so that it's crooked. And then the purpose of that straight rod is, is gone. You see how all these words in and of themselves describe sin in a very specific way, but sin fits into every single one of those categories? There's a lot of words that are used to detail the ways by which we sin. Because remember, we all sin. We all fall short. And our culture has declared war on sin. Now, it's not in the way that Jesus declared war on sin in order to defeat it and, and live his life without sin. That wasn't, that's not the war that I'm talking about. The war that our society and our culture has, has waged on sin is that um, everything is a lifestyle choice, right? Everything is a lifestyle choice. Don't call it a sin. Don't call it an iniquity. Don't call it wickedness. Don't call it lawlessness. Don't call it a transgression. It's just a lifestyle choice. I'll give you that. It's a choice. But so is sin. Sin is making the wrong choice. Sin is taking something that is straight and making it crooked. Taking what it should be and making it something different. Let me, let me explain some things that have happened in our societies over the past several years that illustrate this. What our society is doing to sin. There was a teenager uh, a few years back who was driving drunk. Teenager, drinking alcohol, driving drunk. A lot of bad things there in that sentence, right? He kills someone with his car as he's driving drunk. But he's not held accountable for the offense. He is, he is acquitted, not sentenced to any jail time. Why? Because he had, I don't even remember the word that they used for it, but it was because he had this entitlement mindset instilled by his parents that he deserved the things that he got even though he didn't really deserve them. It was a weird, weird thing. If you want more information on that story, let me know, and I'll try to get you a link to that. It's, it's bonkers. There's another story. A woman was abused and brutally killed. Uh, or I'm sorry, she, she abused and brutally killed her infant child. And she wasn't held accountable. She was acquitted based on the fact that she had PMS. That was the defense that was used and got, got her freed. Or how about the city supervisor from San Francisco who was murdered, and when the killer was put on trial, uh, the defense that was used is now has, a, has actually a term for it, and I'll share it to you in a second, but I want to bury the lead here a little bit. This guy was set free. I'm not kidding you. The defense that was used was because he was not acting the way he should because he ate too many Twinkies. I'm not kidding. They called it the Twinkie defense. 
He was guilty, but he ate too many Twinkies. Don't eat any Twinkies, people, because it might make you kill someone, apparently. Now, I'd be remiss, of course, not to mention the the hypocrisy of the LGBTQIA, whatever other letters they're adding to it these days, movement. They don't want their lifestyle choice to be called a sin. Even though the Bible clearly says that it's a sin. There are many churches, and I won't even say churches, there are many denominations and doctrines that say, no, it's okay. Because if you're in Christ, it's okay. Wrong. It's not okay. Just like it's not okay to murder someone. We don't have any murder pride parades, do we? You guys laugh, but I'm serious. Why don't we? If we're celebrating one sin, why don't we celebrate them all? But the LGBTQIA whatever community, they, they will stand right there and they'll say that other acts of sexual immorality like incest or, or bestiality or polygamy, those are wrong. Those are, those are iniquities. Those are transgressions. You can't do those things. But you're, you see what I'm saying? That's what our world, that's what our society is doing to sin. They're trying to redefine sin to fit their own desires. And remember what was said about desires, right? Desires lead to sin, and sin leads to death. doesn't mean you can't desire things, but when your desires make you make choices, it's a choice. To sin, that's where things go wrong. Well, these all of those things that we just talked about, those are sinful things. We have to remember that we all sin, and all sin is equal. We can pick on, we can pick on the homosexuality, we can pick on the murderers, we can say all those things, but guess what? Lying, having poor ethics, business ethics, cheating, Adultery, looking at pornography, swearing. These are all things that separate us from God. And they're all on an equal platform as murder, as homosexuality, as everything else. Sin is sin. And God makes no distinction between that. As a society, we do. We'll send a murderer to jail. But we won't send an adulterer to jail. Because society has changed the way we look at sin. The fact remains, though, even though we, are, we all sin, we all, because of that, <clears throat> we are all in need of saving grace. We are all in need of the saving grace of the cross because we are shackled by sin. And that is what, um, that's what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 6 that we heard read this morning uh, in verses 15 through 17. Sin personally enslaves. Our sin enslaves us, right? Romans 15 through 17, uh, we'll read it just again real quick. What then are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. I like, I like the, uh, what did you have? The ASV says, God forbid. 
By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Sin shackles you. If you're not a slave for righteousness, then you are shackled to sin and you can't serve two masters. You can't obey the master of sin and the master of righteousness in the same hand. You can't do it. That's not how servanthood, that's not how slavery works. When we look back at the barbaric institution of slavery that used to exist in America, when you were owned by a master, and you had to do what that master said. And until you were sold or traded to another master, that's it. That's the only person you obey. You disobey that master... Now, that's a terrible time of history, and it's an awful thing to to even think of or consider, but it illustrates exactly the issues that we have, or, or not really the issues, but it illustrates what is expected of us when it comes to righteousness. We are to obey God. He is our master. He is to be our master. And if we allow anyone else to be that master, then we are not a slave to righteousness, but we are a slave to sin. That is why... We need freedom. We need freedom from the shackles of sin. As Matt mentioned at the table this morning, this week we're going to celebrate Independence Day. It's a day in which we shoot explosives in the air, we cook out, and we uh, enjoy the day off from work, some of us. And it's all because we rebelled against a government that we didn't like, that was oppressing us. It was taxing us too much. And so we claimed independence from England. There's a special, there is a special day every year devoted to celebrating that freedom. Why don't we put as much effort and joy into the freedom that we have from sin? I'm not saying every Sunday we need to go shoot off fireworks and say, We're free from sin! That'd be awesome and fun, but every Sunday we come together and we partake of this Lord's Supper as a remembrance, as a memorial to the fact that one man gave his life and shed his blood so that we could be free from the shackles of sin. Because the things of this world, the country that we live in, it's all going to pass away. America's not going to be here forever. But God will. And we should celebrate. We should celebrate and even long for this freedom. There may be some of us sitting here today that don't have this freedom. And we should long for it because, um, because sin is personally hard to overcome. Paul explains this in Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 8-11. through 11. He says, But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and having put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and uh, after the image of its creator, 
Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Sin is difficult to overcome by yourself. But you can overcome it through Christ. Because He has already conquered it for you. He took our burdens and our iniquities and nailed them to the cross. Died for them on the cross. There's a line from a Mercy Me song that I really like about the burdens that we carry. It says, You were never meant to carry this beyond the cross. And sometimes sin, because it is personally hard to overcome, sometimes it's hard to overcome participating in the sin, but sometimes it's hard to overcome the grief and the guilt that comes with sin. That's where Jesus also comes in. Giving it to Him, repenting, and knowing that forgiveness is there if you ask for it. Remember, sin is a choice. Not only is sin a choice, but the choice of whether or not you're going to follow Jesus is one that you have to make yourself. Either you can't or you won't. Who would, who would say no to freedom? If you were a slave and you had the offer of freedom given to you, why would you say no? I'll tell you why. Safety, security, comfort. I'm comfortable in this sin. I feel good about this. You know, most of the other people that I know, they don't, they don't see this as a bad thing because they're all partaking in it as well. So why should I be free from something that I enjoy? Because it leads to death. Because that is what separates you from God. So either you will turn to Christ and away from sin, or you will continue in a life of sin. And our bulletin note this morning talks about a life of sin and what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 7 related to that. Our reading this week was is chock full of, of this conversation about sin and the impact that it has on our lives. Um, and if you didn't get a chance to read through it, I, I, I urge you, just start back at Romans 1 and read, read through the reading for next week. And look at all the ways in which sin impacts our lives and, of course, the way out of sin. Because of sin, man has removed God from religion. Man has removed authority from the Bible. They've removed God from schools. They've removed morality and virtue out of literature. They have removed ethics out of business. And man has removed fidelity out of marriage. That list can go on and on and on. But everybody wants to go to lunch, so I won't continue that list. It is only the forgiveness that is offered through the blood of Christ that we can be free from the shackles of sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21 says, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. 
Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We all sin. We have turned away, every one to his own way. We all fall short of the glory of God. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Earlier I talked about how being a father is hard. God sent his son for the purpose to die for all of his children who disobeyed. Our Savior gave his life to free you from sin. Don't entertain the sin for which he crawled up on that cross and suffered and died. Is today the day that you say yes to Jesus and no to sin? Perhaps you have already become a Christian, but are living in sin and you wish to repent of that. Or maybe you haven't become a Christian and you desire to become one this morning and give your life to Christ, repent and obey and die to sin and be raised to a newness of life. If we can assist you this morning in any way with that, if we have any need that we can help you with, now is the time that you can come forward while we stand and sing.